Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. Sometimes I just want to hang around and listen to more of that tune. It really, uh, really excites me. However, it does flag up a copyright issue on YouTube, so I can't monetize these videos when I play that song, which is an absolute pain because I love the song, um, but it, yeah, it gets flagged, so there you go. Anyway, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, as always, Kane Sims. Today, we have the return of the one and only Frank Schneider from Speakeasy AI, uh, the fresh prince of AI, by the way, and uh, his fourth appearance on VOX World. Out there now in the lead, officially the uh, the one guest who's been on the on, on the VOX World podcast the most out of everybody. And we've done, I think now, this will be the 225th episode, I think it is, something like that, which is getting there. Um, and so before I bring on Frank, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Deepgram. Deepgram are sponsoring this and all episodes of VUX World. Deepgram is industry-leading speech recognition. If you haven't uh, checked them out thus far, I've been talking about them quite a lot on the podcast. Every time we open the show, do check them out. If you're looking for uh, speech recognition services to put in front of your voice assistants, if you're looking for speech recognition to put within your call centers to transcribe calls for compliance reasons, or quality control reasons, whatever it may be, then do check out DeepGram. They're very cost-effective. They're incredibly quick, which is really important. And they also allow you to retrain those models, which is uh, really important if you want to feed your NLU some accurate uh, inputs and to get better performance out of your uh, ASR. So do go to deepgram.com forward slash VUX world for more information. That is deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. And if you haven't subscribed to VUX world yet, please do go to VUX.world forward slash subscribe you'll get all of the invites to all of these episodes that we do with industry leaders straight to your inbox inbox and all of the articles that we post all of the insights and and all that kind of stuff straight into your inbox so please do go there now then without further ado let's welcome mr frank schneider frank welcome hey what's going on my brother how are you so i'm very uh, good so much to lead into this. So first of all, the music. Uh, are you even allowed to say what it is? Because I, I loved it, but I didn't recognize it. What was the song? Ah, it is uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Miracles. Really? That's the beginning of Miracles? Wow. It's not the beginning of Miracles. That is a song okay. that I created sampling Miracles when I was about 20 years old. So that is one of my beats, Frank. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So However, we- the sample from Diana Ross flags so, all the time that's incredible so when i cut when i when i launch my album or when i sort of start laying down some tracks besides dj Premier, i need to get you <laughs> into the studio 100 100 yeah as evidenced by uh by the front there uh so yeah <laughs> but, uh, so yeah in honor of my you know i'm super competitive with with some with things that matter and i i love being on uh your pod and happy to be back in the lead uh i i refuse to relinquish the crown and in honor of that you know i'm a sneakerhead i'm wearing my air jordan four nice uh, sneakers today uh, my, my second favorite jordan of all time so four nice. is definitely the theme of the day but thank you so much for having me back on um excited to dig into some stuff with you the content you've been putting out lately has been incredible um thank really you. helps the market it helps people find what matters in this space so so props to you thank you for all you do thank you i appreciate it i appreciate it those are also a very nice pair of trainers and one of my favorites as well those and uh, weirdly the air max zeros 
which are Ooh. not very commonly kind of cited as like favorite trainers. But I got a yellow, surprisingly, a yellow pair of Air Max Zeros many years ago, and I absolutely love them. Uh, but I do like Jordans. I've got a pair of Jordans over there as well, actually. I um, can't remember which ones they are, but they are the typical black and red and white, uh, you know, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. These black cement fours are usually, uh, if, I'm, if I'm doing an in-person conference, uh, that, that's what I'm wearing on stage. That, that yeah. Those are my favorite to wear. Nice, nice, nice. Wicked. Well, welcome for the fourth time. Last time you were here, I'm going to say this publicly because I haven't fulfilled my promise yet, but I do owe you a VUX World cap for the hat trick that you did at the back end of last year. I haven't forgot. At the time, I didn't have the caps. I do have the caps now. Uh, So you will... 100% 100% receive one of these caps along with Soundhound, who are the only people so far to make three appearances. You've made four, so I kind of need to, one, probably do something else to make up for the fact that this is about eight months late, uh, yeah. and two, to say thank you for coming on the show four times and spending four hours of your time, very precious time, sharing your knowledge uh, and insights with everyone who tunes in, so thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I, I will definitely rock that lid. I have a nice uh, Kobe Bryant sweatshirt, which is which has some yellow accents in it because the nice. Lakers color. That'll that'll work well with that for sure. <laughs> nice, nice, wicked. So, well, maybe we should start with um, with what I titled this as. I know that you released it. Uh, what will be last week? And those of you that mm-hmm. subscribe to VUX.world, uh, which you should be VUX.world forward slash subscribe, will have gotten an email about this uh, digital assistant scorecard that you put out there, which is uh, which is really good because I think it helps settle the score a little bit as far as how you should measure the performance of digital assistants. And I think that's something that um, there's lots of different ways that lots of different people have kind of purported that you should do it. A single person who I've ever had on the podcast, and when I ask the question, how do you measure the quality or the impact or the success of these conversations? Nobody has a solid answer. Everybody says, well, we do this and we do that, but it's very difficult to do this and very hard to do that. And so when I was reading through that white paper, I kind of thought to myself, actually, there's some really good stuff in here. And it sounds like it's something that obviously you've been thinking about a lot and been using, I imagine, in your client deployment. So I thought it would be a nice opportunity to maybe discuss that in a bit more depth and get inside around how you've been thinking about it and, and how you use it and all that kind of stuff. No, I appreciate that. That's a good tee up. Yeah. It's, it's a reflection of 10 years in this space of being passionate about answering that question. How do we understand success? Um, what are the outcomes we're trying to get? And even from a commercial standpoint, gosh, the scar tissue that our partners, not partners of Speakeasy, but the people who are buying these systems, the practitioners, the brands, the Verizons of the world, the Time Warner Cables of the world, the IHGs of the world, the Marriott's of the world, the Chases of the world, all these brands, at this point in time, they've probably had 200 AI demos you know, in the last year alone. They've probably invested in 10 to 12 digital virtual assistants. They've probably already you know, shuttered or kicked to the curb three or four And they've built up not just scar tissue, but expertise that understands how to cut through the noise now. So we've been trying to solve this problem of how do we demonstrate that this is working great? How do we demonstrate that the outcomes that matter are being tracked? And when I was at our prior AI company, which, you know, this is my second one, uh, which was called Creative Virtual, we came up with a metric called completed conversations. And that was one distillation of this. So you know, traditionally bots are measured on accuracy, um, deflection, containment, 
And if you think about those metrics inherently, it's almost like old school IVR. It's okay, did it understand some semblance of what was typed if it's digital, right? Or the interaction or voice if it was spoken. And then was it was it accurate compared to what the intent is itself? But even these systems and these solutions have gotten to a point where accuracy compared to the intent that you thought is a whole other thing compared to the outcome, right? Mm. And then containment and deflection really just measures how well you were a barrier to human engagement. <laughs> and it's a reflection of um, ROI model and gamesmanship, right? Hey, you know, we, we made this AI investment to automate things and maybe reduce our calls or our chats by 20 to 40%, which is pretty much what every vendor has on their website in this space. Reduce this by 20 to 40%. Uh, but it's gotten to the point where the confluence on the other side is from the buyer term is, you know, a VP of digital strategy might procure this solution and put a lot of time and energy and effort and expertise into building this system and these conversation flows. And then a C-level executive is going to say, let me try that out. And the mentality of it is, I'm going to go in and try to break it, <laughs> right? It's like Alexa. Let me see what I can have Alexa not understand. <laughs> and say, oh, she didn't get that. Right? You're trying to break things to prove it works or doesn't work. And that's that accuracy deflection mantra. That's that containment mantra. Well, it could not work and still prevent you from talking to a human. Um, completed conversations for us, which was one metric sort of invention of ours that never got legs. And a lot of vendors in this space try to invent metrics and say, this is the new hot thing. Mm. X score is dead. Y is now the hot metric. And completed conversations for us back at Creative Virtual meant you engage with the virtual agent. Um, it was the intent was recognized. You had a back and forth. You know, I think we actually said how many back and forth. So two or three back and forths. And then the outcome was the outcome you had planned for and they didn't escalate to a human. But sometimes there's collection of data and then escalation to a human, right? So mm -hmm. you even need to involve more than that. So where we got to, long-winded way to get there, you can see it's 10 years of this, <laughs> was the tenants of great customer care, the tenants of great digital engagement for sales, if you think about like sales live chat or messaging or assisted buying or what we call digital concierge, all of the tenants and best practices of this are the same principles that you would use with a human. And if your technology partner and provider, and more importantly, the investment the brands have made in giving APIs for content-rich experiences, agent expertise for good conversation building and conversation flow modeling, uh, tuning related to language models, when you get to a point where you really want to measure this, where the rubber meets the road, it's this scorecard that we've created where it's talking about virtual assistant behaviors and interactions with guests or customers that mirror human scorecards. So human, it's not reinventing the wheel necessarily. It's sort of validation that, hey, it's time to move beyond accuracy, containment, deflection. That's good for when you're bootstrapping a model and you just want to get something out the door. But now if you're really in a, a path towards maturity and value realization for these AI investments, that it's score these digital engagement AI solutions like you score your human agents. So QA, you know, quality insurance or quality monitoring and agent scorecarding has existed. You know, one thing about a contact center is it didn't happen unless you can measure it. And mm -hmm. agents are scored via a rubric, much like a student in a school. And you have to follow specific principles and guidelines around empathy, around fulfilling of needs, 
around providing information, around countering objections or clarifying information, getting to sales, getting to resolutions, teeing things up before they're passed along to someone else who can help you. All of that has clear principles and methodologies, and we're now taking that in our scorecard and applying that to the AI and then tracking mm-hmm. that in that way. Mm, very good, yeah. Because I think I suppose one of the that's one of the things that I think I remember writing about this a while back, which is that the an ideal place to be is to be able to measure the success of a conversation, as in, yes. did the customer get the outcome that they came for? But yeah. then the more you kind of you know work on it, the more you observe it, it actually gets quite challenging because sometimes the it's there's there's a bit of ambiguity there, isn't there? Like an assistant might have a response that might have answered the customer's question, might have kind of got them what they needed, but then the chat might close down or they might hang the phone up. And yeah. it's very difficult. It's a bit like Google Analytics on websites. It's like it tells you the numbers, but it doesn't tell you the the kind of like quality. It's 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 quantitative rather than qualitative, isn't it? And so yeah. it's it's like how do you know whether that was actually what they were looking for and that they didn't just put the phone down because they were frustrated? So it's yeah. like it's a challenging kind of metric to get to, isn't it? That kind of, was this customer need met? Or have you, have you, is that something that you still do try and use? Or is it something that you think actually there's other things like, I know that we'll get into maybe some of the, some of the things on the scorecard and stuff, but there's mm-hmm. other things around coherence, responsiveness, stuff like that, that matter more than, or you can use these maybe as a proxy to say, well, if we've got these numbers right, mm-hmm. chances are the customer got exactly what they needed. It's a little bit of both. That's a good way of describing it, where you got to in the punchline. So, you know, you figure about the conversation flows that we've built. Maybe there's a conversation flow around modifying a reservation at IHG, who's one of our customers. And that conversation flow is going to be measured for the traditional, hey, is, are we recognizing what the customer wants to do? And that accuracy level, which is why you need more, is always going to be in some kind of 90-something percentile. And if you're spending your AI investments in, okay, you're 94, but I really want to get it to 98. You're really not moving an actual needle in something that matters. Um, so, but there is still value in just make, make sure it's make sure we're recognizing what the customer wants. Make sure we have all the data that we should have known from an API, right? So if we've collected information like the reservation number, do we pull that API and display that image in that context? So there's sort of performance of conversation flow. And then to your point, there's a summary of outcome. Hey, were they able to modify their reservation? And maybe the answer is no, but the answer is no, not because of the performance of the flow, but it's because it was a group reservation related to a block of 10 rooms for a wedding. And that was not able to be digitally self-served and they wanted a sales representative to speak to that customer live. Maybe we even channel switched. Maybe we asked for the phone number and called them proactively and said, here's the person. And we teed up all that information and the interactions with the virtual assistant or the digital concierge before that call occurred. So sometimes when you talk about, okay, so the outcome maybe was good or bad, right? It's not always that simple, but it's, was the issue resolved? So to your point, before you got to that punchline, that's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, we know customers are trying to sign up for, enroll, buy things, then they're trying to enjoy them, use them, then they're trying to change them, modify them, then they're trying to report trouble or fix something, and then they're trying to pay, check on a status of a payment, and then they're trying to cancel or leave. And that's pretty much the world. 
There's, <laughs> there's not a lot of use cases out of that. Um, and that's why I know we're going to talk about templates later. You know, I'll kind mm. of get on my soapbox about that. But now within that, for example, you know, you have to verify, uh, I'll use IHG again. There's a lot of elements around verification that aren't necessarily just security. It's regard regarding white glove approach. So if I am a platinum ambassador, just by nature, that sounds really fancy, right? <laughs> or, you are, or I'm a spire elite. Oh, now I'm really at a, at a high level. The way you recognize me and the way you acknowledge my status and, you know, people that are really into points, yeah, acknowledge my status and give me some stuff and mm-hmm. make, my, make my stay really, really posh and lovely. Even in the digital concierge, you want that recognition to occur. So, hey, Kane, we pull that API. Kane, thanks for being a spire elite. Oh, and maybe even by the way, we noticed you were searching on the Holiday in Aruba. You can get a room of points. That's how much points you have booked up mm-hmm. and maybe a late checkout too. All of these kinds of things are now qualitative where it's did the virtual assistant acknowledge the customer status? Did the virtual assistant, assistant value the customer? Did the digital concierge express knowledge, not just of the customer, but like you would with a human agent, expertise on the brand that you're serving. So if it's someone coming to Verizon um, and asking about an iPhone, do you display product expertise? Not, did you understand they want to talk about the iPhone? Okay, great. What are you going to do with that? Hey, do you have an iPhone? Yes. And here's some pictures of it. That's great. But maybe there's some additional elements. And I know we're also going to talk about language models down the line um, and some of the new stuff that's coming out. But what if I said something like, yeah, but does the iPhone 12 have uh, the new fancy camera that came out on recent editions? Actually, here's the camera details on the iPhone 12. But I could recommend this instead. Um, All of that stuff is beyond the veneer of accuracy. It's Mm. really about the things that the customer is trying to contextually engage about and is the virtual assistant displaying knowledge of your brand and adherence for lack of a better term to the good pr- best practices that make your human agents awesome. Mm. Um, all those engagements, all those back and forths, whether it's 20 back and forths or, you know, a conversation with lots of inputs or a quick one is all of that memorialized and collected in a way that hasn't been wasted time. And we're super vigilant about that. Now that you've collected all that, human escalation is going to happen. And the idea that it only happens when things are broken is folly. Sometimes it happens because it's the logical continuation of this engagement. And now you want to make sure metrics like average handle time when it gets over to the human agent and first call resolution and first contact resolution are the things you're driving. What can you do to make the agent's job easier before you even get to agent assist technology? which I know you had bouts on earlier today, and we also mm-hmm. provide agent assist. Before you even get there, the digital concierge is really a triage agent that should be doing a lot and making sure whatever engagement you had with it can carry on to the human. Mm-hmm. How do you go about... So is, is the aim of this mm-hmm. for Speakeasy to be able to monitor essentially against the client's agents and compare <laughs> yeah and then compare essentially how the how the virtual or digital assistant is performing versus the the live agents on an ongoing basis or is the aim of it to act as almost like a um an audit for an existing solution like for example what I'm, i suppose it might be both but is it for existing speakeasy customers where you're going to be using this to help them understand how their assistant is performing versus their staff or 
or is it an is it a way of helping prospective clients understand how their current level of performance with their current assistance is as a way of being able to audit it and, and obviously recommend ways to improve it and stuff like that? All of the above in this way, you did a great job of sort of teasing that out. And this is why we would hire you to, to be on our marketing team. Uh, so, so for existing clients, it's answering the questions to the bosses and the teammates that how does, how do we know this works? How do we know this works beyond accuracy and outcome tracking? Is it working in the way that represents our brand properly? You know, brand vigilance is a thing with our customers. Mm. And anything that's out there and is a customer-facing tool needs to represent that brand appropriately. And then in a lot of ways, the people who work on this kit, um, they're not trying to replace human agents. They're trying to optimize the interactions for the customers and the guests. And it's incredibly invigorating and validating of their efforts when mm-hmm. our partners on the client side who are helping us collaborate and partner on conversation flows on trying to solve issues for their customers, when they see the scorecard perform well, they feel really proud because there is a human who hasn't done all the AI, but has done work to make sure that this tuning was optimal. So for existing clients, there's a lot of that value realization for the bosses brand vigilance, understanding that the brand is being taken care of appropriately by this tool, and then um, validation and sort of um, a momentum boost for the people who are working in the kit. As far as comparing for existing clients to existing human agents, in digital, sometimes that does come up. And that was part of the genesis of this as well, that I was remiss to omit in the beginning and just remembering now. What happened in some brands that we've worked with is that some people look at this as almost like auto chat. Hey, it's like live chat or it's like auto messaging, right? Because we also work in SMS or in Google business messaging or WhatsApp. It's, but instead of a human, it's, it's the AI answering. Oh, I noticed that some of the scores in you know, CSAT or in resolution rates in the bot are just as good or better for certain use cases than the live chat human agent. To me, it's not a reflection of let's, let's have them compete against each other. It's still always about the use cases. So now... What are the use cases best prescribed for pure automation? And what are the use cases that still should always have a human like that example I mentioned earlier? And how does that work together? And then you, you hit the nail on the head on we're working with or we're consulting with um, a cable company, I'm not at liberty to disclose right now, who has, they're on their like third existing bot. And it's really hard to say, but our, that's, our that's AI, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's what everybody does. So I mean, there are some brands who are kind of, it, it's funny how we talk about each other because um, I would never talk about other AI systems as rubbish. We're all as good as the partnership we have. Mm-hmm. There's always tech, nuanced tech differences that make from a technology stack perspective, some vendors better than others. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is related to agility, speed, control, ability to fold in APIs and ability to integrate with the behemoth that is an enterprise contact center stack beyond the AI kit. Hmm. Uh, no one should be competing based on NLP engines, even though some people try. I, <laughs> I, feel, like, I feel like they shouldn't. Um, it's about how do you use your canvas and how well can you orchestrate within your canvas? Um, so there's a little bit of a soapbox on that. Hmm. Uh, but but uh, And I kind of lost my train of thought. But what, but what we try to do is to make sure for this, this cable brand, hey, we have, we're on our fourth bot. 
what makes this better? What, here's what matters to us. Has to work really well with the messaging kit. Has to tee things up for the humans. Um, has to, doesn't have to have a ridiculous cost barrier of entry. But we don't want to have to live in it. We want to leverage goodness and improvements and have them update quickly and react to things that matter um, and pliability and control. And so this scorecard or measuring, you know, hey, give us a bunch of um, AI transcripts if you want, and we'll score the agents. Um, and a lot of people would look at that and say, look at how bad they are at understanding intent. What I think we know, because we've done a lot of enterprise deployments, that if you beat up um, a competitive vendor based on intents, you might also be beating up the buyer. Mm. Because those intents, the library that was chosen, the deployment methodology, uh, the conversation flows that were created are not just a technical representation, the representation of that partnership again. Hmm. And it could have been a two-way street. It could have been the partner they chose didn't properly consult with them. And this is where the consulting arm of the VX world can fit in. Let me pitch that for hmm. you. Um, <laughs> if you. If you don't have the right tone and tenor and cadence around what the partnership should look like, what you're trying to achieve beyond the technology stack, it, you know, think about the days of Watson, right? I will bash that, you know. <laughs> Watson, you know let's just do some commercials with Bob Dylan writing songs. And so imagine what Bob Dylan, what Watson can do for you. Um, that's not the world. It's pragmatic, smart partnerships around top use cases and getting really good at the things that matter and having access to APIs and access to a call center agent because they know more than most. Um, and that partnership. So when you say, look, your bot, your existing bot vendor could only handle 50 of these intents. And again, I'll tease the template line of thought. We threw our 75 cable intents at it and it only understood 60 one or it only understood 21 well that's not really a representation again i'm going to stick up for people i'm competing with of their technology it's a representation of design process hmm. and what we actually we're trying to achieve um it the the chances are that it's a reflection of well they only had four alternates and we had 200 alternates hmm. that, that's not what it's probably a reflection of hmm. but we still talk about each other i, I try to avoid it in this space in terms that hurt ourselves. Mm. I, I think we're afraid to break barriers and do things like this scorecard. So we're, we're, we're vigilant about trying to change this because if we're all just still wandering around through what Gartner would call the AI winter or whatever they're going to call it next time there's a, there's a deluge. We always sell an AI winter, so go for it. <laughs> AI winter, if we're all bumping around like we're in the upside down and stranger things and blindly touching things and saying 40% deflection, 90% accuracy. Our, our NLU is better. If that's all we're doing, um, I'm mad at the market. (laughs) 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 That's not what the the tech has gotten way better. The tech has gotten way better. Um, But also the, let's call it tribal knowledge of what it takes to get these systems to work has advanced greatly. Mm. And I think that's what makes it harder for, you know, there's a new chatbot company every other week. There's a new AI company every other week. They might have some slick tech, but they might not have that tribal knowledge yet. Mm. And that, that is invaluable. And that's so important so that we think we've built a system, our platform that allows you to, that is aware of a lot of that industry tribal knowledge. Cause we've been in the space for through a couple of companies and we've played with a lot of other kits and also we share that scar tissue and we're just as frustrated as, as our folks. You know, when we get on a sales demo, we're often like, we know you need another AI presentation, like a hole in the head, but 
you know, we're, we're going to talk to you about what we think matters and we hope it matters for you. What, what, what matters to you? You know, start mm-hmm. with that um, because everyone comes to it. No one is a total novice, not in the enterprise to these systems anymore mm-hmm. to sell, to market, to bash each other like we used to, um, or like they used to, I'll exclude myself from that. <laughs> it's just, it's not helping anyone. It's not helping yeah. anyone. If we had a, um, there's a lot of boards, which I'm very interested in, sort of ethical AI and bias in AI. And there's a lot of that because they're thinking about sort of the inherent biases that are in AI. And, and I feel like that has a, a strong groundswell led by people like Live Person that, I, that I'm keen on and it's very cool. But there's, there isn't sort of like a, um, a NATO or a United Nations of, hey, we're all conversational AI vendors. No one has won the market, let's be honest. Mm. And there's sort of tenets of things that we can share with each other to take the industry forward at large. Uh, not everyone's ready for, to create that, mm. that that lovely circle, but um, I, I am thinking that beyond trying to help our customers with things like this scorecard, a lot of our go-to-market messaging for the next year or so is we're trying to sort of zig where everyone's zagging. And it's not a marketing mm. ploy. It's more around, hey, this world is evolving under everyone's noses mm. and we have to do the right things to continue moving it forward for, for our customers. Yeah. There's only so far you can get with bigger, faster, stronger, isn't there? You know, it worked for BMW in the 60s and 70s, but then all of a sudden everyone understands that, that yeah. certain cars are bigger or better or faster or safer or whatever it might be. And so that kind of loses its appeal, doesn't it? You need to find a way of, if it is to the point, which I think it, it is getting there, as you've alluded to, which is that from a platform and technology perspective, you providing you go with something that's not like, you know, unscalable and dirt cheap and, you know, black boxy where you can't have any control. And providing you make a, a sensible enough decision with a technology provider that gonna, that's definitely going to allow you to scale, going to allow you to, you know, multiple channels, give you a degree of control over your NLU or your speech recognition, that kind of stuff. As long as you have something to grow into, yeah. then the technology, as you said, it, it's kind of good enough is good enough, isn't it? Especially for businesses. Me and you chatting yeah. can probably chat about, you know, what can you do to get speech recognition accuracy from 95% to 96% and rattle exactly. on for an hour about that because it's interesting. Yeah. But for a business, they care about getting customers a resolution to their problems. Yes. And if it, oh, if it works in 80% of the time, then fine, because the 20% is, if we, if, we, if we minimize for certain use cases, 80% of contact and introduce self-service through conversational AI for 80% of that use case, then we're happy because we can yeah. deal with the extra 20%. So I think you're right in your kind of observation of how the market from a technology, from a technology perspective has matured. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually from a go-to-market and from a, more importantly, not just a go-to-market, but from a client education perspective. Like these mm-hmm. webinars that we run, I mentioned when we chatted with Mark Bernstein before that in every one of these webinars, we'll run a poll, which is what is it that's stopping you or holding you back? And mm-hmm. the most voted for thing is always education. We don't have enough education about this kind of stuff. We don't really know what yeah. we're doing. And so in a, in a market where the client and the buyer isn't educated, on this stuff then just screaming bigger louder faster cheaper 
isn't yeah. the right kind of thing, is it? I think what you're getting at around expertise, around processing, expertise around integrations, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and how to create something that gives the same level of service as a human agent does and all of that kind of stuff is, I think, the level of education that's needed beyond it's quick, it's fast, it's cheap, it's accurate, whatever it might be, because all that seems a bit a bit like BMW in the 60s, doesn't it? Yeah. No, you're right. And if, I mean, that's every business that's ever launched. Can you do it? faster or cheaper or else it's like hard to launch a business right or you're creating a whole new market and all of us are in this market at this point no, no one's creating a new market at this point and the fundamentally like like it's funny variant calls it the engagement capacity gap um it, which is a new phrase i see them sort of sort of coining and talking about to describe the market but it's it's the foundation of that is something that's always existed in the contact center space which is like hey we got to figure out how to do more with less right and especially coming off the last two years we won't mention all the things that have happened in the world in the last two years but it's like you know we have a bunch of agents working from home now and we have systems and processes and digital customers that don't necessarily fit our labor and tool system calculus and how do we bridge this gap and to your point again you know it's not just about the automation so even in the 80 20 rule we are at the point with our systems where we're like okay but what about the 20 because if it's not escalating because you didn't understand the intent but it's this is about um getting a refund and it's easy to just give the person the refund but before you escalate what can you do to collect data that matters and tee something up for the human to close that gap so that they can handle seven refunds today, even though a lot of brands wouldn't want to give seven refunds in an hour, <laughs> but seven refunds in an hour as opposed to one. Mm. Because those other folks who maybe didn't get to a human and maybe couldn't get what they resolved digitally, they don't fit in the 80-20, right? It's, we knew what they wanted. We knew what could be done for them and yet they weren't served. And that's what I mean about a partner. That's on the brand. It's mm. not on us at that point. Um, and so we want to sort of tee everything up. Everything, again, to your point, is use case based. So when we sit with our clients, it's not how can we get the accuracy from 96 to 98. Again, you and I will geek out on that stuff. But it's, okay, now it's at 98. We still haven't handled this. How, do we, how does a guest ask how big the pool is? We understand they're talking about how big the pool is. We have something like 7,500 pools across our properties. Mm -hmm. They vary in all kinds of, how do we have a conversation about this? And, you know, that kind of, that's a weird anecdotal thing about amenity, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that we're doing. We're saying, mm -hmm. Hey, tell me more about the pool. Mm -hmm. um, is that a containment thing? Is that an accuracy thing? Is that something that's going to deliver you a lot of ROI? No, but what you find is that when people are asking about amenities, maybe they're about the book mm. or maybe they were about to cancel and now they don't cancel. And so now the conversations you're having are not in just automate for the sake of automating, although there's a lot of that that's needed because contact centers are just jammed right now. Mm. Um, so they need that. They need the spigot to sort of be better managed at the top of the funnel of all these contacts. And we think we can do that. But then from a, Again, measuring that success mechanism, it's are these use cases getting resolved in the appropriate way holistically, not just from an automation yes or no perspective. Um, and I think it's a reflection of there are some things where we're just really good at automating and it's like, okay, now where do you go? And I think a lot of, a lot of AI vendors who have been in this space for a few years, I think they've run into walls where it's kind of like, all right, the roadmap has stopped. 
And, you know, there's, there's a hard cold truth of when the roadmap stops, um, the funding might not be the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, we built everything, everything hit a wall. How do we renew the contract this year and get some more money? But if you never got past accuracy and building intents, yeah, you hit a wall and they didn't get their ROI. We should have been thinking about this differently. Mm-hmm. I've got one final question on the scorecard, but I want to just pick up on some of the things that you said there. Cause one of the, one of the things that I've always been a, um, definitely an evangelist for is using conversational AI to uncover new needs that mm. didn't exist or weren't known to the business prior. That example there about how big's the pool, that might not be something that the business knew was even important because on the website, it just says pool and you don't have the ability to say how big is it or anything like that. So that's an example there of potentially how a digital assistant can get into needs that customers have that the business didn't know about. Mm. At the same time, in order to deliver on that use case, you need to know the size of every pool that exists in every location. And that data might not actually even exist. And so it's a, it's a two-way street, which is one, the ability to uncover new needs, but two, the ability to have the organization organize its content and its information so that you can enable some of these use cases. And so how much from what you're working on, have you noticed those two things happening? One, uncovering new needs that didn't exist prior. And two, those new needs leading to things like knowledge creation, content creation, content organization, and bigger problems really that the business needs to solve in order to facilitate it. That's our world in a nutshell, right? Even from a, you know, practical methodology standpoint, when we deploy, you might remember from prior episodes and just us knowing each other is, you know, what we call a listening pilot or a listening Mm. engagement. You know, Mm. a lot of times we'll say, plug us into your IVR and we're going to listen to your guests or to your customers for two weeks or so. And we're just going to simply ask them, all right, we know they're calling about um, a problem, but before they get to a human, tell us what you're calling us about. And then we collect that data and try to stack rank those intents and things like that and do an analysis on that. That process never stops. So our iterative process beyond our listening phase is to always be collecting when something's unrecognized, you know, separating the um, background noise or voice activity detection. Again, I'm in voice right now, separating those or separating sort of nonsensical typing from, hey, this is a new issue and how do we categorize that? Uh, a lot of times what that uncovering does, and a lot of times what we'll do is we'll do an analysis where we create an outlier mechanism that shows, well, this pool was mentioned 40 times, right? Because every one-off in a vo- you know, the volumes that we do, since we're primarily the Force 500, it's tough to, to say everything. But I remember when at a company ago, I consulted with Under Armour. And I remember that they were like, we're releasing our new Cam Newton. They're not a customer of Speakeasy, but they're they're, releasing our new Cam Newton ad on Monday night. We want you to track anytime someone mentions Cam Newton, who was a quarterback in the Panthers at the time. Mm. Those kinds of things we can get ahead of the curve even. So it's like, hey, we didn't build any content for this marketing promotion that's out there. Or we built a few things, but let's be extra vigilant when any variation of this topic comes up and let's flag that in a dashboard and look under the hood. Um, Everything in our neural net, which we call nerve, is transactional actionable. So you can look at each line of input. Um, But once that's flagged up, as far as content gap, a lot of times it's 
what we found these Fortune 500 brands is, and thanks to the apogees of the world and the masteries of the world and all the people who made API ecosystems so robust and easy to create and pull, it, it's really all about the APIs. And so to your point on the pool, let, let's stick on the pool example. I might not be able to tell you the pool is the precise square meters or feet of the pool, but I can do a context rich through an API picture of the pool. Mm. Here is a picture of the pool at the holiday in Aruba. Here's the hours of operation and maybe it's a salt water pool and towels are provided, or maybe I didn't even say towels are provided and you see the picture of the pool and that should be, you know, representative of, okay, I don't need to know the exact, but maybe it's depth. What's the depth? Mm. Only, you know, and it says in the, in the API, it only goes up to five feet. So you'd be surprised how much data is there in a backend library that maybe not won't be precisely answering that question, but will give the information that solves the sort of overall context of what they're trying to solve for, which is, mm. well, I want to understand what the pool's like. Mm. Um, and then once we're in context, because we're not fully sort of delineated around intents, where once you're in a conversation flow, it's not that old decision tree and intent model where you can't jump in and out of things. But once you're in context, you can say, hey, you know, do you also have towels? And yes, towels are available. And maybe because Kane, you're Spire Elite, we have a special kind of towel for you. Uh, sorry, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. I actually, we don't have special towels for those. <laughs> but, you know, there might be some of something like that. But to your point, a lot of the knowledge gaps in the, when I think about pre-Speakeasy, so pre-2017 for me, um, those knowledge gaps were, let's figure out what the answer is. Let's go to a subject matter expert. Let's write the answer. Let's have someone in marketing or compliance approve the answer. Thank God that's gone. Oh, right. So mm. updating an answer on the client side took a while. Mm. Now it's it's more art than that kind of science or that kind of bureaucracy. And it's what's the API that's available for information for this type of th- product, this type of um you know, uh, you know, we do we do some stuff with retail. This hiking gear. Do we have pictures of this hiking gear? Mm-hmm. Do we have uh, more details on the product? Do we have people that are experts in this product? Can we display reviews? And all of that data is living somewhere. If we can find an API to it, we're just going to retrieve that to help provide the answer. More than everything isn't in the old way of doing things. Everything was essentially functioning like an FAQ. Mm-hmm. Has that FAQ been written yet? Okay, no. All right, let's write it. And what's the answer to that FAQ? Mm. Um, these systems and what the customer is actually trying to solve are more than simple one-off FAQs. Mm, interesting. It's all, the challenge then, though, is what if there's no what if there's no API? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then it and then it becomes this. To be honest, the answer is this is one we're not going to solve for in the AI. Yeah. There's no way to easily retrieve this data for the customer. Let's collect what we need to make it easier for the the human when we get it there. So what yeah. else do you want to know? Well, I want to know where they're staying. Let, let's say there was no API for pools, um, for amenities like that. Okay, yeah. I want to know where they're staying and when before they get here so I can talk to them about the pool and make sure it's open because maybe mm. it's winter and it's an outdoor pool and it's closed. Mm. Great. We'll select that and pass it along. Mm-hmm. You kind of alluded to a few things there around kind of like what it seems to be is that choosing the right channel for the right kind of use case, which is something I've been trying to dive into a little bit over the last few weeks, is that, as you know, 
I am 110% evangelical about voice. And that's kind of where all of this stuff comes from. I I honestly believe that voice user interfaces are fundamentally uh, a huge time saver. Although they're very complex, I think that the whole notion of ambient computing is going to happen to us at some point in time and that voice interfaces are going to be absolutely huge. However, the more that you dig, and I haven't seen, to be honest, that many deployed use cases that take advantage of this kind of stuff, multi-channel, omni-channel, channel switching, that kind of stuff. Um, but when we first started talking, way back when, if you remember, back yeah. in the day, Frank, uh, yeah. we, we were talking a lot about voice AI, talking a lot about the speech to intent. We were a voice first company. That's yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. So so your ethos and all your patents and all that kind of stuff, obviously Creative Virtual was, was kind of like text-based chat sort of stuff, but then Speakeasy with all of your history and, and foundations in the speech and voice uh, world. You've alluded to it over a number of times in this conversation. You mentioned WhatsApp a couple of times. You're talking here about sending images via API calls and stuff like that. So it's obvious that you've changed the way you're thinking about how you provide these services and how services are accessed from customers. I'm wondering whether you can share your thoughts at the minute on how you're thinking about this omni-channel AI space and whether that's something that you've kind of uh, becoming kind of like more evangelical, evangelical about. No, I, I would say it's a natural progression where we always, the reason why we launched Voice First is because of that gap and that struggle that now we've boomeranged back to finally get to. So really it hasn't been a change for us more than it's been, our original launch point was the digital chatbots performance, let, let's, let's, agno- let's be agnostic about their performance and say they were all awesome. Whether they were awesome or not, they didn't kill the voice call. They just mm. didn't. So customers were investing all this time and energy and money into good, at Creative Virtual, really good chatbots. But still, their call volume was almost the same. Chat volume went down a lot, but call volume was almost the same. And it's the theme of our last one. Digital transformation was always about voice. Mm. Whether it be understanding customers, understanding conversation, I'm still with you. It's all the tenant of it or the, the foundation is voice. It's really about voice and the way we're, we're speaking right now and all that's said and unsaid. So when we first launched, it was, can you get digital bots that aren't ours, right, from an orchestration standpoint to work in IVR? Can you get digital bots to listen to call center agents and their customers and provide suggestions in an agent assist modality? And then enabling other digital bots to do that. And over time, we realized that what we really need to do is we knew that omni-channel AI was key, but that word, and you know how the marketing gets in the way? You know, I think there's, I can't remember what's the name of the vendor, UJet. Uh, I think it is. You know, Omnichannel's dead. You know, everyone gets tied. The, the buzzwords hang or, around your neck sometimes and just mm. weigh you down in what you're actually trying to pragmatically get done. Everything for us has always been about let's be agnostic of channel. It doesn't matter to a customer. And f- to your point, from a channel mix perspective, there is appropriateness of channel that is beyond the reflection of the gaps of the human labor. So, yeah, if you only have 20 live chat agents and 500 voice agents, it's a reflection of supply and demand on some level, and maybe we'll, we'll dictate how you handle things. But what if a call that comes into the IVR, which is, again, we started voice first with all of our clients. None of our clients started digital first. So it's not a change for us, but it's there are some conversations that are context rich and better in digital. I cannot show you a picture of these beautiful Air Jordans on Goat, and I'm not, Goat's not a customer of ours, but Goat's like a sneaker reseller place, right? Reseller place. So if I go on Goat or if I call into Goat and I say, 
I want to know if you have the AJ, AJ4s from 2019, right? Because for whatever reason, I didn't go on their digital website or their, their app. Um, you have to push me to digital. You just have to. Mm-hmm. Use cases, we do, or this, is this what you were talking about? Here's what they look like. We have some used, or I could even say in voice, we have some used AJ4s that are available through some of our members. Would you like me to send you some pictures? Yeah, send me some pictures. Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to be able to have a conversation appropriately about a used pair of Air Jordan 4s. <laughs> in vo- we can talk about me maybe selecting them, buying them, returning them, right? But from a context-rich perspective, I just got to get that out of digital. And then in other cases, I'm a, you know, I'm a phone-first person or there's, there's a voice element where I can resolve things quickly in voice. I want to do that. Or maybe I just want to speak to a human and you want to tee some things up to me. So schedule that call. Um, so for us, it's not a change of ethos as much as it's a natural reflection of what the world was and is and it getting to the place where we thought where the rubber meets the road is still voice. It's mm. still the highest source of volume of human engagement for a contact center. It's still the bulk of where everything's coming. It's the top of funnel. And if you are a digital first company, which we're not a digital first company, we're a conversational AI company that does really well in contact centers. And we provide three products, right? And if you look on our website, the first one is conversational AI for IVR. That's, that still gets first billing. Then it's digital concierge or digital virtual assistant. And then it's agent assist, right? And it's this idea of predict, solve, and improve for your customers and your contact center operations, right? So with that always as our mantra, voice has to be the first place you look from a overarching strategy perspective in AI, because that's still where everyone lives. Mm. So even if you want to be a digital first organization, which we work with a lot of brands who do, you can't ignore voice. You just simply can't because that's still, there are people that are coming to your website still and not using all of the tools that you've invested over the years and just going, give me the phone number and let me call you right? Or searching in Google, give me the phone number for toll free. And I just want to call in. So figuring out who those people are, what they're trying to get done and what can self-serve in voice and then what can self-serve in digital. But more importantly, again, to use that word maturity, when you are getting along sort of a path of true maturity in your conversational AI investments, it becomes how do we set the mix appropriately for these use cases? Because some just should be in messaging. You know, it's just mm. easier. To talk. It's asynchronous by nature. You might have some images. Let, let's move it there. It, it just doesn't belong in voice. Mm. Interesting. That's really good. Um, conscious of time, I want to get into uh, the uh, the little bit of a, uh, what would you call it? Would you call it a game? Is it yes. A game? Yes. Like I say, it starts yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Start subset. So you so so you know what start subset is, and the US yeah. listeners may know what start subset is. I'd never heard of start subset, uh, so we've called it speak, listen, hang up, which is uh, so if if I'm going to reel out some ideas, some things, some customer experience, uh, I call I suppose you can call them features, some qualities of conversational AI solutions, and you can respond with speak. As in, yeah, I'd speak to that. That's good. I would definitely recommend you do that. Uh, listen, as in, okay, I'll listen to it. Maybe I'll try it. I'll dabble with it, but I, I'm not convinced. Or hang up. You would put the phone down because it's not happening. Yeah? I'm with it. I'm with it. I love it. All right? It. Yes. Okay. Cool. So so first of all, we're going to start with um, DTMF IVRs. I, I'm done. It's an ultimate <laughs> hang up. Um, no offense to anyone out there. Uh, it, to me, it, it, as soon as you hear press or say one, even if it's not truly just press, but say one, 
as soon as you hear that, uh, anyone out there knows you're now going to be decision tree based. It's going to be limited to what you can do. And it instantly speaks to containment and abandons counting as containment. And for those, everyone listens to this contact center, but um, if you're counting abandons, people hanging up as containment and success, like we need to talk. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to go some rehab with me. Um, so as, soon, as soon as I personally hear DTMF, not just because I'm an insider. God, can you, I can't imagine if my 15 year old daughter heard press one for sales. Or press two. Wait, that's, uh, yeah. DTMF is absolute hang up, hang up, hang up, go to the website, pray they have some digital engagement or understand you're just not going to get what you need from this customer. What about DTMF as a fallback when conversational AI can't quite get to like if it's a postcode or house or something like that. What about DTMF as a fallback? You're still, I feel like you're trying to corral me like I'm cattle. You're trying to get me into the box you want me in and you need to do better. <laughs> so, so, so I feel like because we, we consult with brands where they say, can we do AI after the DTMF? <laughs> so, so after, after they say serve it, after they press three for service, can you then say why you're calling them? Yeah, we can do that in a listening pilot. So we can figure out how we're going to eventually sweep out the DTMF. <laughs> but um, I'm much more genteel about it when I consult with people. But for you, you get the full raw thing. Uh, uh, yeah. DTMF, there's just no way. I'm just done. It's over. It's over. Stop so, it. So, so what about? Yeah. So what about then? Uh-huh. What about DTMF that doesn't lead to a listening pilot, but DTMF that leads to an automated conversation? Press one so, for sales, press two for complaints, press three if you're having trouble with your boiler, press three. Hi, I'm the virtual agent that can help you fix your boiler. How can I help? Well, you know, what's the situation? So DTMF front end, bot automated conversation at the back end. I would prefer, because of the way these technologies work too, right? I would prefer you just say whatever would have been DTMF. You know, I don't like, there's a brand that says you can say things like, <laughs> make, a, make a new reservation, right? but you yeah, can yeah. say things like that. Um, but, uh, I still would say no, but if it's the only, listen, I also want people to feel safe. And if you're someone who just hasn't dabbled in these things and you're triggered to figure out how to dip your toe in the water, then you could talk me into doing something like that because I'd say, okay, if this is the baby step to get a brand where it needs to be, then I would do it. But I just, I just want, I'm just super cognizant of not putting a bad taste in the customer's mouth for the AI due to that, the way you handle that. Fair enough. Uh, emojis in digital chatbots. Uh, speak and call. Yeah, I speak, call, or type to that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a taste thing. It's kind of subjective, but I feel like you have to have the option there for your mm-hmm. customer. So this is me speaking as a vendor. You have to have the option and then let the customer decide if for whatever reason they want to turn it off. Maybe they're they're a bill collector and they don't want emojis. I, you know, I, I can think of a lot of use cases where or it's more sensitive in nature and they just don't want to be that um, – familiar with folks and, and folksy, but uh, yeah, for me personally, I feel like it has to be an option. Um, and then you Fair can decide enough. whether to turn it off. The use case will decide whether or not it's going to be there. Uh, what about uh, keyboard strokes in virtual agents yes, on, in, over funny. the phone? It, it's so funny. I, this is, this is a listen for me only really? because, yeah, only because I've gone and I think, cause it used to be a hang up for me. It used to yeah. be an automatic hang up for me. It is and, for me at the moment, unless you yeah, convince me otherwise. It, so it, it comes from buyers. It comes from people we're consulting with. And use cases where um, 
an API lookup might take a little bit of time because of the nature of the world. And you're going to provide a really good customer experience, but just the nature of technology, it's going to take four seconds as opposed to one second or two seconds. And what I've learned recently in the last couple of years, especially this, is, you know, it's clearly it's in voice, right? This, the typing bubbles in digital give a little bit of confidence and it, like, it's almost like it comes too quick. And you don't realize, you don't realize it was even answered. So the, the typing bubbles in digital sort of show like, I'm about to give you the information, pay attention. And now here it is. I know it sounds weird. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like you can go too fast in digital and in voice. If it's going to take you three seconds, like, that felt like a long time just now that I stopped talking. Right? You know, like, so imagine five seconds, like the typing sound and somehow couching it, even saying to the customer, I'm going to look that up for you right now. Happy to help you. Like, okay, now I think there should be a timeout. I think there should be like, don't type for, you know, X number of seconds, depending on the use case. But it, everyone that's invested in sort of this API ecosystem in this world where, hey, we can actually solve some really cool stuff in voice they might need that typing sound just to avoid the dead air hang up. So that's why I'm listening. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I was like, typing sounds garbage, get rid of it. But I just feel like otherwise you're, you're not giving the customer and the solution the chance it really deserves to get something done. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I can see the point there. It's a bit skeuomorphic, isn't it? I suppose then bringing yeah. a, bringing a real world reference into that channel to make it seem as though things are under control. And I do like the analogy of comparing it to the little chatbot bubble dots that come up when people are typing. So I, I, I get that. Um, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I've, I, I'm still not entirely convinced, but you've yeah. definitely, you've definitely, we, we, when we first launched, you know, we were voice first. We were like, we're not doing that. That's, that's for people who, you know, that's for brands that, that, you know, I'm talking about vendors, you know, it's about competitive nature. Mm. That's for vendors who really don't have slick tech. And then we realized, oh, you know what? It's kind of unfair for us to be like that. That's <laughs> not yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, is a reason for it. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's fair enough. And I definitely think maybe this is the next one, which is um, what is known as earcons, which is, that would be an equivalent of an earcon, which would be um, the type and sound. Another mm-hmm. equivalent of an earcon might be you ring up to make a uh, booking, and after the bot has successfully made the booking, you'll hear a ding sound or something yeah. like that. Or maybe yeah. you make yeah. up to make a payment. The payment's been successful. It's like cha-ching, like those yeah. kind of sound effects. I, it's funny. I used to be against them and we don't do any, but I, I would be totally cool with that now to the point where when, when our engineers first started to put typing sounds in our first typing sounds in our system looked, sounded more like Donkey Kong or a video game, you know, cause you know, we're, we're dev first company. We got a lot of slick, smart devs on our team. Moshe, my CTO is Tony Stark. So you know, Tony Stark's going to do something cool. You know, all right, I got to play some sounds. Okay. It's going to sound like, you know, Optimus Prime starting up. It's not going to sound like it's not going to sound like typing sounds. So we definitely uh, we definitely have changed a little bit on, on the typing sounds. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, bot barging in. So the assistant barging in and cutting off a customer when they're in the middle of talking. Oof. Interesting. <clears throat> <clears throat> like they're in the middle of saying something it's like oh I was on a holiday I've lost my credit card I think it was oh it's okay you've lost your credit card okay well let me help you with that then it, yeah it's funny I, that's I've never been asked that before because we usually get asked in the opposite direction that was Can my next question us, the customer barge in to the bot utterance and I think for that it depends on the use case so the customer barging in 
because, I hate to make everything depends on the use case, but there are some things where for compliancy reasons or just for accuracy purpose of trying to get the customer what they want to do, we don't allow barge in. But then other things, because we know the answer is kind of verbose and we kind of intuitively know what the next question probably is, we allow customer barge in. In the other direction, bot barge in, um, I have to say for right now, because I don't have a use case for it, um, I understand what you're saying. It sounds like you're almost describing multi-intent or, you know, or, or, too, too or verbose that, in utterance. Yeah, I, I've understood it. I've heard enough. I think I've got it. I'll just cut you off and I'll, I'll just deal with it. Here, here's, here's why I, I will say hang up for now until I hear a slick use case for it. And I'll, I'll give super under the hood. It doesn't, you know, a lot of these things cost money beyond the functionality. And from a customer experience perspective, um, I'd need to be convinced that the barging in of the customer talking was worth it um, because there's no cost justification for it. It's not like that, that conversation became cheaper for the AI vendor to provide it. Um, so at, at scale, you just have to really convince me because I, the customer might not have even heard the beginning of it, depending on the cadence of that. You'd almost want to then think about how would a human agent interrupt someone? Maybe the human agents are coached. I wonder to never interrupt. Um, and if the human agent is coached to never interrupt, you know, but the bot is going to, well, then maybe there almost needs to be a preemptive, do you mind if I interrupt you? And then it's like, well, what are we even doing at that point? <laughs> so I feel like for now I'm hang up, but it's intriguing to me because I've never been asked it before. I'm not like, definitely hang up. I'm like, hang up. Um, someone show me something cool with it. And if somebody shows me something cool with it, uh, I could change my feeling on it. Fair enough. I probably agree with that. Um, I think it can be perceived potentially as a bit rude, especially from an AI agent as well. It's like, you know, people when they're talking and they're really heated in the in the conversation might cut each other off and that, but it's not being rude. It's like engaging and, and excited, whereas an assistant cutting people off, I think, could be yeah, could be a bit rude. What about uh, branded voices, customized voices? Necessity. That's uh, that's a speak. That's a necessity. It's part of our platform. Um, you know, we, it's one of the only pieces of our platform that we don't have ourselves. We don't have a voice synthesizer. And the reason why we don't have a voice synthesizer and we either, either use like a white label, it could be Google, it could be uh, Lex, it could be whatever you want it to be. Or more often the customer says, we have recorded voice talent. We've recorded a bunch of things that sound like, um, I'll keep using Time Warner Cable because they don't exist anymore. They sound exactly like Time Warner Cable. Um, this is the voice of Time Warner Cable when this intent gets recognized and this conversation flow gets engaged for each prompt, play these audio files. So in our kit, we actually have drag and drop, sort of upload the audio file. We tag it to that part of the conversation flow, reuse it for other conversation flows. And we let brands manage that because in the enterprise, branded voice is, is essential. And then if people don't care, we say, okay, here's a few synthesizers we use. It's always subjective. It's always a matter of taste and preference, let alone before you get into bias, male, female, which accent you use. There's so much going into it that we kind of go, whatever you'd like, we will consult with you. Um, to me, it matters what you're trying to get done more than what the voice is, but the voice should be whatever, it's in the eye of the beholder. It should be whatever the brand wants it to be. And if your stack doesn't allow for that, um, you're missing the boat in voice because it, it's, and it also almost is better for the vendor. Um, that's why I have a hard time when people, um, I will bash competitors. There are some competitors who get into voice and are kind of like, we sound just like a human. Mm. And I just, 
I just, ah, like it can sound like a human, just use recorded voice. If you don't like the way a voice sounds, use a different voice is the answer. So if you're selling based on how much it sounds like a human, I don't understand what you're trying to get done. Because if you're just trying to emulate human speech patterns or human cadence or my Philadelphia accent, are you really doing anything to move the needle on things that matter? Because I, I don't think, um, I don't think that's the issue at hand for conversational AI systems is make it sound like a human. Mm. Um, is it comforting when it sounds like a human? Sure, I guess. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. So um, for me, it's essential to have the ability that it's a speak or a call to have whatever, whatever voice you want for the brand. Um, you have to be careful too, though, because I'll use the time where cable example, cause they don't exist anymore. I remember they had Bill Cower as their branded voice at one point. So they recorded a bunch of IVR prompts from this football coach, uh, American football. And so right. we're calling in and like yelling about him because he was in their commercials. So you also got to be careful, you know, uh, if, if your brand ambassador in your commercials becomes your brand voice, there might be some interesting dialogue going on. Yeah, yeah. And some interesting expense as well <laughs> to maintain that. Uh, so, okay, last one then. What about small talk? Small talk. Uh, I've, uh, I've definitely gone back and forth on this one over the years. Um, at our prior company, we had a small talk module. We have a small talk module that we sort of can enable if people force us. Um, I think small talk that is great, wise choice. Oh, you're, you're picking the iPhone 7? Great, wide cho- wise choice. Affirmation around the niceties of human conversation is great. I am not interested in developing a lot of modules around what's the weather like where you are and trying to do the Hey, let's be let's be cute about where the bot lives in cyberspace, and it's always sunny where I'm at because I'm a bot. And, and there's a lot of that out there, and I just feel like um, if you make me do it, I'll do it. That's why I think I said listen, right? Not hang up. Yeah. If you make us do it, we'll do it. I don't think it provides a ton of value. Where I think small talk has evolved is all of those things around expressing empathy expressing validation for choices in a sales flow, expressing empathy for concern or issues in a, in a customer care flow. Um, gosh, you know, people need to, this is going to sound super extreme, but if someone is calling a cable company to cancel a bill and they, it, it might sound, this is super extreme. So I, I almost, but it popped into my head and say, the reason why I'm canceling, one of the use cases for these call center agents is someone died. Like someone died and the, the account shouldn't exist anymore. And if the person says something like, you know, uh, it, it, it's a deceased person that I'm canceling the account for, you know, if, if you can't escalate to a human, right, it's a weird thing. You're not going to provide grief counseling, but just a simple, you know, my condolences for deceased accounts. Here is our policy. Mm. That's an example of small time. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It's not going to make that person's day, but I think it's appropriate. Mm. And, I think that having empathy for the customer care use case, or, you know, maybe you say into the phone, I've called six times today. I, I'm sorry that, that it's been rough today for you, but we're going to try to get you resolved on this call. You know, mm. things like that are sort of small talk, mm. but as the systems evolve, um, what we've seen in our deployments is validation on selections. I think that's easy to do and it's nice, right? So, hey, you know, I, um, I think I would like to book that room great choice mm. looks like a wonderful property you've selected it, it might it might sound like a nothing statement but i actually really like that kind of small talk yeah yeah nice nice wicked well that was absolutely fantastic i think we might do more of these little games that was quite good that <laughs> i don't know how many more of these things i could think of but uh, yeah no really good 
Nice cool. one. I, I love the way you threw it together. It's why I feel like we had so much to talk about. We didn't get to everything. So I definitely, number five. Number five. Number five. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it always is the case uh, with these conversations is that there's so much to get through and so much to talk about. And it's like, you could be, we could spend all day doing it, I think. Um, but no, no, I think we got through a lot though. Definitely got through a lot. I will put the links to the uh, digital assistant scorecard in the show notes here. Uh, I'm assuming if people go to speakeasyai.com, they'll be able to find it there as well, Absolutely. as well as other things, uh, you know, if they, if they want to have a demo or, or check out, check out speakeasy. Um, yeah, please do that. And uh, yeah, Frank, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so so much awesome always good to chat with you you know i feel like we could record our regular conversations but but also too just just to summarize with thank you again for everything you do for this space um you you are a key member of making us all better um and trying to help demystify things for lack of a better term for the buyers that are out here um I, you know there's a lot of scar tissue as i i always abuse that term and you know the voice that you have the content that you're producing everything that you're doing is really helping it really is. So, so props to you. Um, honored to be on for a fourth time. Can't wait to the fifth. Thank you. That really means a lot, Frank. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's definitely, uh, yeah, something I'm very passionate about and definitely try hard to do exactly that. Try and demystify it, try and help people, try and inform. And it wouldn't be this if it wasn't for people like you, because it's not my knowledge that's coming out of this stuff. <laughs> uh, if, you have a list, if you were an AI engine, the stuff you've been tuned with at this point, Kane Sims language model has to be insane. Yeah, yeah. It may well be. It may well be. Yeah. But it is definitely the people that come on the show and uh and, and partake and share their insights is, is what it's all about. So yeah, I appreciate the compliment. Thank you and thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, Kane. Nice soon. one. Cheers all. Take Speak care. soon. Bye bye.